All right, Kev, we're back off schedule this week, uh, late on a Wednesday. We'll have a late uh, late podcast release here, um, late newsletter. So we apologize for that, but a lot of stuff going on and we have a lot to get to tonight. Um, yeah, we get, we're going to talk a little bit of golf, a little bit of NFL, which is going to be, I guess, our formula going forward. And for once, I think when we talk about golf, we're not going to be talking about mainstream like PGA golf, but... There was one story that took over uh, the golf Twitter world, um, which is a wild place, and also the subsect of the golf Twitter world, which is the golf rules Twitter world, which is also a, a crazy place as well. And it came from Barstool Sports. Um, yeah, it, it has been dubbed the the four versus five controversy, the Ryder Cup controversy. Um, but for those who did not uh, or have not kept up with this. And by the way, would highly recommend watching these videos because they have been very entertaining so far. And also I think I know me and you were talking a little bit offline, like give you the thirst to play a little bit when you see like normal people play golf on like a public forum. It's actually sort of, sort of like more entertaining to watch. Um, but yeah, the, the Ryder cup's going on. It's like Barstool's Ryder cup. And in the first match, which is was played as two-man scrambles, it was Kirk Minahan and Hank from Part of My Take versus uh, Francis, uh, a comedian from Barstool, and Arian Foster, the uh, old um, like 2004 fantasy football number one pick, um, playing it playing in a match. And the controversy uh, started when Arian Foster and Francis had about an eight foot putt for par. Um, Francis went first. He lagged it to about two inches. Um, and then before Arian Foster took his putt, uh, sank it because it was from two inches away. And his contention was sort of, well, all right, we're in for five. So you can be aggressive with this fourth. And then Kirk sort of stopped the show and demanded or, or declared that, uh, they had just finished the hole at five and they wouldn't get a chance for four because the ball was holed. Um, and there are some crazy dynamics in play that I'm sure we'll get to, but bare bones, where do you stand on how this should have been scored? Uh, your thoughts on, on some of the situation. Did I, did I give that accurately? Yeah, there's a lot. I know I just went for a while there, but, but yeah, get into it. <laughs> Uh, no, you're good. Yeah. Yeah. That was an accurate portrayal. That That's exactly what happened. Um, yeah. Great. Another just, just um, promotion for the video. If you have not seen it, you definitely need to go see it. It's great. Very entertaining. I will say Barstool did kind of steal our idea of doing their own little rider cups. Right. So, and it, made, it made me very jealous and miss uh, the one that we had about a little over a month and a half ago now. So um, already looking forward to next year. I'll say that, but yes. Um, so I don't think there's any um, argument in terms of like what the rule actually is. Um, if you go and, and, and look at the rule, it, it, they they played it or, or Kirk's argument was was valid in that uh, that is the rule. I I just think match play is so funny that in in terms of like giving putts and and um, that competitive aspect to it that. You, it really just adds such a um such a layer to the competitive like spirit of it and i and i love that so much about it and i and it, it introduces so many arguments and and um tension between the teams i'll say um 
but I, I, I love that so much about it. And I, and I don't want it to go away for that reason. You know, if, if, if you're not, if you're not into that sort of thing and you want to just make it completely fair for everybody, I think the only solution is to just say like er everything has to be in the hole, but, but I don't really like that. I, I just like kind of the, the decision-making of it, like kind of that, like, um, awkward like few yes. seconds in the air when like the person who just took the putt is like slowly walking up and like looking around and and, and wondering if they're gonna you know if the putt's gonna be given for them right um, i should be hearing something but, right now guys like yeah. what are we just gonna leave it yes yeah, so yeah. i'll just mark this I, okay yeah i know exactly what awkward <laughs> silence you're talking about where like like you said you're not you're not quite totally walking up to your ball and you're not quite totally marking it there is no like there's just no move being made until until somebody says something and it usually has to be the other team being like nah dude it's, it's got to go in right but i i think this speaks and i and i think this was kind of a good lesson to be learned um you know even for us when we run our own sort of rider cups is i kind of think we just have to sort of lay out the rules ahead of time in terms of like how that stuff is going to work because you know, the you we mentioned it over text, but the extent to which like the the argument was was carried on was just absurd. Like it was just kind of, incredible. It just went it went unanswered for like six holes, and then Portnoy comes back and he's like, "Okay, it's, it's official. Like we're not counting that. Like you guys are in, you like they're in for four, and you guys are only one up or even or whatever it was at that time." So I, I think it was just, it was poorly handled. Like there needed to be a definitive decision made before they left that hole and there just wasn't. Um, so, so in that aspect, it was poorly handled, but, but in terms of where I stand, I lean on the side of Arian Foster and, and Francis, like their oh. team. Like, I think, I think that they're, I just think that's like a bull, a bullshit rule. Like I, I, I don't really understand I don't know. I don't really understand why that should be a rule. I understand like, okay, they, they just didn't know. And like, he fucked up. And like, if you're going by the letter of the law, yes, he was wrong. But in terms of like, I don't know, I guess just like, if if you're gonna, if you're gonna allow putts to be given and there's going to be a little bit of gray area, like in that respect, I think there needs to be a little bit of gray area. If you're playing a scramble, like, in a two-man match where you're allowed to move at a club length. And then like they come back later and they're like, oh, you didn't mark your ball on that putt. Right. It's just like this is turning into something that like nobody wants to see or or be a part of. Like, like you can in a scramble, there's like gray area everywhere. So if you're gonna be that guy, then you can call out a rule, you know, something along the, you know, that that is an issue with the rules anywhere. So I don't know. What were your thoughts? Uh, I can't believe we're going to be on 180 degree different sides of this, this issue. Um, so I know that they eventually, they eventually ended up taking, uh, taking the five, I believe, but then giving up a bullshit rule later on to sort of even it out with the yeah. mark, I think is how yeah, they so evened they gave, it out. They gave it back. Well, yeah. Or I don't know if they gave it back because of the mark or, or they just conceded and said like, right. whatever, fuck some, it, we'll play some we'll weird, play it didn't end up mattering, but I'm on, I'm on the other side and sort of because of the competitive mind games, uh, match play style. And because $30,000 on the line, uh, in the competition. And I think they were in a scenario where to be a dick, um, I don't think Kirk or Hank were going to give them that two inch putt, uh, to, to sort of just be tough about it and play those mind games and rules are rules. 
And when the balls hold, I mean, you've you've taken the the drama out of that next shot. Um, because I know, I mean, two inches probably not going to happen. But if that's say, let's say a one foot gimme, which is you know what, 95, 90, no, whatever, a, a high, very very high percent chance that two people make it. Um, if Francis in that scenario had missed that one footer somehow, then what are we doing there? Like our, our, you know, is, is does his partner now still get to be aggressive knowing he has to take a one footer to make it. So I think if that shit's not conceded, um, you got to put the mark down and just wait, even though, you know, it's a mere formality and it's sort of a dick to be called on that, but all's fair in love and war. And if you're playing for 30,000, I think you're crossing into like, this is war territory uh, when it comes to that stuff. Now, I, I don't think that should turn like a, a hypothetical match um, in real life into like, you know, we're starting to measure out like club lengths in the fairway and like all that stuff. And I think maybe an aspect of that is they're trying to make content too. So I'm sure everything's a little exaggerated over the top to give some entertainment value. Um but I do think in that situation, if I was in that match and I wanted to be an asshole about it, uh, I would do the same thing and I'd expect them to take that five and just be like, well, fuck, we should have just waited and not done it, even though it's there, an asshole little, thing to do. There was a little bit of confusion and I would have to go back. I only watched it the one time, so I'd have to go back and and, and pay closer attention. But so you don't think they would have given him that putt or or did they was there nothing said before he took the the shot there, so there was definitely no con- uh concession i'm sure uh that putt would have been conceded at some point yeah. prior to one of them having to putt it out but at the point that he hit it there was nothing there was no communication there at all okay yeah so from from that standpoint I, and i know they argued a little bit about that also when he was discussing it with portnoy like whether he originally said like oh we i don't know if he said we gave it to him or we would have given it to him whatever but it's a big, it's obviously a big difference, right? Like if he, if there was nothing said, I could see the argument of like, you just don't touch that ball and, and just wait. Like, yeah. I, I understand. Yeah. Yeah. That I understand from, from that aspect, um, why you would leave it alone. But I mean, yeah, it's just a, <laughs> it's a shitty way to, to, it to definitely down, is. But, it definitely is. But I'm just but saying yeah. rules are rules. Like, Hey, I, uh, they, I didn't make them. But I'm just, you know, I'm here to play by them as much as you can. And I think, like I said, I think at some point in that match, I think at the point this happened, uh, Kirk and Hank were one down, like reeling. And I think there was definitely an effort there to have to become a cerebral monster a little bit. And I think that's what started to happen. And I think it it definitely swayed the match eventually. Like like the yeah. mind games, I think got to got to Francis and, and Arian Foster. Yeah, it seemed like they did. They 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 struggled down the stretch. It's such a difference, though, right? Like you know, I've only played uh, a match like a like a two man scramble match with another group of two that I was competing against. I think twice in my life, right? right. And it's so different than playing a four man scramble, obviously, like I'll bring up an example, not to sort of rat us out here, but like in a, in a many of the scrambles we played, like, you know, there'll be one guy who walks up to the ball and like, we're deciding to play another ball over here. I know what you're like, going to say. Yeah. He'll hit the shot. Right. And be like, Oh, well, if that had gone in, like, we're probably going to take that. Right. And hey, like, and, th- if we're in- and 
by the letter of the and law, if, isn't that how it should be played, right? If the ball gets holds. But all, but also letter of the law, like if someone attempts that shot, like that also should be the shot that we you're play. You're not right? wrong. Like, you're not wrong. <laughs> but yeah, I think but, that's no match play. I think that's that's where it, that's what it is, yeah. right? That yeah, would never happen I, in in a let's say there was a four v four tournament or something like match play four v four or three v three. Nobody's doing that in that situation. Like that's just not going to be allowed to. Four v four, meaning like there's eight people on the same hole. Yeah, I guess that like, would suck. But yeah. I'm just saying, in <laughs> yeah. any situation where where you're playing against another team and you're doing it yeah. at the same time, like if you're going to the green with a group that, like, even in two man, three man, whatever everybody's picking their ball up and bringing it to the desired spot. Cause if somebody hits that toward the hole, I think the other team you're playing is freaking out because of they course, know what's happening. Yeah. 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 I think in tour in like a scramble, like, you know, drunk charity tournament, I think everybody, everybody pretty much does that. So if you do it, you know, you're, you're just sort of playing by the rules of that, that event, you know? Yeah. I guess, I guess, I don't, we don't I, I know, guess, we don't yeah, know what goes, we don't know what goes on. I've never had groups. one actually go in, so I don't, <laughs> I don't know, like, but I, I think it is an understanding that in that situation, like, it's like, uh, uh, all right, well, you know, it actually was a flatter putt. I know it was like 25 feet longer, but fit the eye better. We were going to play from all there, right. but yep, thankfully, no, like, none, play, ha- none have, come play over here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. But I think the direct, the direct, direct competition, I think just changes it. Cause I know, like, like I said, I don't know if two inches, I would probably just concede that immediately. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think like anything in that's not 99% make I, in a two man scenario, I would not allow the second putter from the first spot to feel like they can, they can take the most aggressive line to the hole possible. Cause it's just not in my team's best interest. No, I can see that. I can see that standpoint. Like you're not, uh, it doesn't mean you're not going to concede, but it doesn't need to happen after the first shot. Right. 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 And I think that's the, that's the biggest thing. Right. Yeah. Like you just, just should have waited. Right. I think it's just, and I think that's exactly what it is. It comes down to, right? Like how many match play events do you think Francis has played or even Arian Foster for that matter? I would have to say, I can't imagine too many. And Kirk is kind of like a golf guy, right? Like he, knows, he, is. he probably knows the rules pretty well. He's he's a so. he's like borderline autistic with like his golf knowledge. So I just picture him having it having it memorized, like rule fourteen a four, you know, <laughs> scenario one. Um, but it was amazing to see how that blew up. Uh, when that video that video now has like sixteen million views. Uh, Padraig Harrington has weighed in. Max Homa has weighed in. Joel Damon has weighed in. Um, there's been like golf commentators who are weighing into like it went so crazy on golf Twitter because I feel like it's the most relatable thing ever. Uh, you know, when you're when you're competing with one of your buddies and it's all good, like after the round, like everybody's cool. But like there are definitely moments where it's like, dude, fuck this. I'm just trying to win. And now we got to get dirty for a second and I'm getting a little pissed. And this is how it goes. Um, so I feel like that was super relatable and got, got all of the golf world involved. Weird to see. Yeah, it, it, we were, I was, I made the comment before we started recording that it was basically just coming down to like port to Kirk and Portnoy. Cause they're just the two like strongest personalities in that group. And obviously like, they're just going to kind of fight it out against each other. Like at one point, like, like Dan Rappaport comes in and he's like, 
that's just the rule. And then he like started, he like walked away. Like he yes. was like <laughs> running away from the green, like just didn't, was going to state the rule and then be out of the conversation. Like, yeah. As soon as any outside party like said a single word, it was just like immediately both of them just like, rah, rah, rah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, will you shut the fuck yeah. up? Thank you so. Yeah, like, I forget who. It, oh, uh, was it? Uh, I can't remember the exact comment. Was oh, uh, yeah, Rappaport comes in. He's like, yeah, well, no one stated that we were playing USGA rules like ahead of time. And Kurt goes, well, that's very helpful, Dan. Thank you so much. I'm like, <laughs> just... yeah, it was great. I'd highly recommend it. I'm a I'm a Minahan fan for a long time, so it was great to see him involved. Um, I think for the most part, his like his ability to play the villain in these events, uh, and I think just like the entertainment value of that is second to none. And then yeah, Portnoy and him going back and forth is like the it's just the most entertaining argument ever. It's uh yeah, it's great to watch. So that is that is a high recommendation um from this podcast for sure. Yes, sir. All, All right. right, on to our expertise now. On to our expertise, baby. and it, it's time to talk some NFL. Um, week two in the books. Uh, I know I got some storylines and thoughts that I want to get into, um, but let's just recap how we did. I, I know uh, said we we're going to be accountable here, and uh, it started. So I uh, I went a scorching two and three, um, and K Mac, you went a scorching three and two. Uh, we both hit. The Cowboys, uh, we got it at three and a half. It ended up closing like near eight and a half. It would have been good for many more points than that. Um, I I missed the Giants, and this sort of gets me into my first uh my first like topic I wanted to discuss that I think is like an underrated part of football watching and gambling that I sort of love is so that whole game, um, Giants giving four and a half at the Cardinals, and I said I said this was square and I knew it was square and it ended up being square, but uh, Cardinals go up something like 20, 28, nothing or, or something like that. Um, and this whole time I'm just sort of chalking this up to like, all right, well, I got this one entirely wrong. Um, all right, let's move on. Giants start money to come back and they're coming back and they're coming back and they got all the momentum and they tie the game and they're driving. Uh, they're driving to win the game with a field goal or touchdown and at this point, obviously, a touchdown uh, wins it for me and probably in a field goal doesn't. And they end up choosing the field goal. But the reason and, and obviously blowing it for me. But the reason why I bring this up is because there is a moment in every game in these scenarios where you've written a game off and your team's out and somehow you have like a crazy outside shot to to cover and win your bet. Um, and then you realize it's not going to happen. Um, and at that point, there is a f- switch that flicks, at least in my brain, where I'm like, I-, I don't even care if I bet on this team. Now I just want you to lose because you're not going to cover for me. Like you you had me depressed this entire game. And then instead of just like putting me out, you know, like mercy killing me, you brought me back into it and made me get invested. And now you're going to screw me again. So not I don't want you to win and not cover. I just want you to lose outright. And I know near the end of that game, I can't like I've never rooted for the Cardinals or Josh Dobbs in my entire life, but I'm cheering that goddamn offense down the field, trying to get them to win that game outright because it was so infuriating to watch the Giants dick around for uh, two and a half quarters and go down to a team that's trying to lose. Very frustrating. Yeah, that game <clears throat> that game was uh, very wild. I know some people Giants kind of a popular um, 
survive semi-popular survivor pick this week too, just playing the Cardinals. So yeah, to see them go down by so much early was um a little shocking. Yeah, obviously. I, I know I can relate exactly to what you're saying. I've been in that scenario um a million times where you just um really really just have an intense hatred for a team that just <laughs> plays that way and yeah when you when you realize the cover the cover is such an interesting thing the spread betting the spread because um it, it it introduces a whole new like aspect and strategy to what you're to what you're rooting for you'll find like if, if you've never done it before you'll find that you're just rooting for like really random things that happen yes. because you're just sort of playing out in your head how the score is going to finish out um so that's always an interesting aspect as well but yeah um cra- crazy game there some definitely some good games um this weekend i didn't get to watch unfortunately too much of the the early slate i know i had um a couple of my picks that were way off let me see i had i, I believe i took the raiders at a pretty yeah. big number and the bills yeah. kind of rolled on them um I thought the Falcons were a surprise surprise win for me as well. I, I hate that team yeah. so much, dude. I hate them so much. It's so yeah. frustrating. I was rooting um, for you this weekend. But they're yeah. tough. They're tough. I don't get it. I like I know they I run the rock, but it's so weird. The the way, and I feel like I'm gonna say this every week to just get like my Kyle Pitts frustration out, but yeah. the way they like just waste all these skill positions that they've invested so much draft capital in is so weird to me that it just defies my logic that they're actually good, but they're two and zero, and like, they might actually be good. I, I don't really yeah. know what to make of that team. Yeah. It's hard to, to understand how they're two and zero and exactly how they're going about doing it. Um, Seahawks with an o- overtime win. That was, nice, yep. uh, that was a game I was a little bit in doubt, but I love love them. <laughs> I'm glad they're back on track. I knew I, I couldn't have been as wrong as it looked in week one, but there were some serious <laughs> concerns. It could it could go downhill in a hurry. Who uh, uh fuck the Chargers? <laughs> yep, as <laughs> always. That's loss. another that's another team, by the way. Like they work back to tie it and then they give the ball up in overtime. And I'm just like, well, at this point, like screw it, because you're not gonna you're not gonna score a touchdown in overtime now after you haven't. So I wanted the Titans to just win at that point. Same thing. Yeah. Chargers, dude, got to be just like at this point, just fraudulent, right? Like 0-2, yeah. um, going against the 0-2 Vikings, by the way, this week, like a battle of the shitty teams to bet on. Who are we, um, who are we on? Have you looked at that line yet? I, uh, no, Get, I guess actually. it. Guess it. Guess that line. Guess without it okay. I, okay. Where it, is it makes it? perfect. It makes perfect sense for these two specific teams. Where, where they, are they playing? They're at Minnesota. At Minnesota, okay. Yeah, um, Battle of the 0-2s. And, and, like, it's the end of the season if you go 0-3, basically, right? So it is, like, <laughs> two teams with high expectations that screw yeah. me over. I'm happy to see one of them go 0-3, but... I would say Minnesota minus three. It's Chargers minus one, wow. which is just, like, just pick the... Just go ahead and have fun <laughs> trying to pick the winner of that. Um, I think... I think the Chargers are the more talented team, um, but I, I literally, I, I have no interest in doing anything with this game at all. Yeah. I'm just, I'm not yeah. subjecting myself to that. I, I don't, I, I pretty much control the fate of that game, I think, because whoever I would hypothetically bet on is just 
a rock solid lock yeah. to lose. Like, no oh man, and the uh, what else was this? Oh, just the Bears looked just so bad. Justin Fields, I saw the comments came out uh, this yeah. week. Just doesn't doesn't look good. He he looks uh, like he can't play quarterback in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's too early to to plant that flag right there. That's just over. Yep, not good. Not good. I had a, I had high hopes too. Um, I was a pretty big believer when he came out his rookie year that that he was going to do something pretty special, but does not look good. So I was wrong on that front for sure. Yeah. Um, uh, Broncos game crazy for Survivor, like the opposite of the Giants mm, game, like the the Broncos finding a way to snatch defeat from the jaws yeah. of victory, same way as the Cardinals. Um, but that swung a bunch of Survivor uh players as well on that. Um, Russ, like another guy who just looks like he's toast. And I don't, I don't really, I didn't think, I didn't think it was this bad after last year, but it's not, it's, it's better than last year, but it's not a ton better. Um, we'll, we'll get to them later. Cause I have a play on them, but they're, you know, Owen two about to go probably Owen three going to Miami. And then yep. that season's pretty much over if you're in the chiefs, di- the chiefs division. So be interesting to see if he even like keeps that job the rest of the season, right. honestly. Right. And then uh who else? We said Cowboys rolled. Um, yep, Cowboys rolled easy. What do you think of the Bengals? That's sort of the other hot story yeah. that's around. Like Yeah, we- I don't know. Didn't watch that game too much. Obviously surprising to see them 0 2, but they um I mean, they scored. I didn't. I didn't watch the game at all, but they looked, They scored a decent amount, so the offense looked better. I, it's sort of I don't really like, know. like honestly, watching watching the game in one of the four boxes. Um, uh, yeah, it, it sort of was like late, late. Um, like down by a couple scores. Like defense sort of playing a little more lax. Like I don't. I don't think by the time their offense started to get going, there really wasn't a question of the Ravens winning the game. Um, but Burrow hits his calf again. Like that offense looks all sort of out of sorts. Like weird to see them at zero and three, and like again, Ravens in that division two and zero, or sorry, zero and two versus two and zero. Um, that could get away in a hurry uh, for another team with like I don't know what their their over under was like ten foot ten and a half like before the season or something yeah. like that. So yeah, and uh, I believe they have the Rams on Monday night this week coming up. But what do you think about the two Monday night games that they've been doing? Fan not, a fan. not a fan not a fan i don't like it either not a fan um they're too close together if they would start one at like yes. six maybe like the early one i remember um, back I in the get... day like a 10 o'clock like the eight like this the prime time and then like the 10 30 even though the 10 30 mm. like obviously sucked a lot because it would end super late i hate that there's like you said so much crossover between the games like there's you're watching both for three quarters of both games and it's just tough to tough to follow not a fan yeah yeah Especially with like real teams playing this week, like that this uh this past Monday slate was sort of lame a little bit. Yeah, I wasn't super interested in both both of those games, but like Bengals Eagles both playing Bucks two and zero, and then the Rams like sort of like feisty for a while. Like those are two actual intriguing games that I, yeah. I want to watch, and they're going to the be Eagles Eagles overlap. Bucks is interesting. I mean, the, to have that spread only be four and a half. I, I know it's in Tampa Bay, but um. I don't know. You would have thought coming into the season, like if you had tried to predict that line like three weeks ago, you probably would have said Eagles plus, uh, you know, more. I mean, minus more than a touchdown, I would think. And now to have it that close is a little shocking to me. I was uh, that that was a spread to me that I saw and was like, wait, like why? 
like it almost was like too low, like suspiciously low on the Eagles. And I feel like there's those are always the games that go the other way where you're just like, wait, the Eagles aren't going to win by a touchdown. Like, aren't they like the way better team? Um, and I feel like those always go the other way. So I stayed off that, but I was intrigued a lot, like you said, by that low of a line for um, the quarterback difference, the defense difference last year. And I know it's a 2-0 and start, but it's still like Baker Mayfield. Uh, and I think right. they've played two teams that are combined 0-4. So I don't know. Yep. And then All right. uh, the last thing before we get what to else? our picks, oh. uh, Nick Chubb, rest in peace. Oh, um, man. Did you, did you see it? I, I know they didn't show it, the yeah. replay, but you saw it. It was uh very yeah. Willis McGahee for me, which yep. was uh disappointing. Um, yeah. I, I saw something I, on Twitter today that was like it's so bad. I think Scott Hansen said this like it's so bad you hope it's only a just one season ending injury right. and not not like career. Right, ending. right. He's he's 28, right? I think so. Yeah, yeah, that's like super duper unfortunate. That dude's I believe he so had a good. severe, a severe uh, like injury in college, also, right? Same knee, same knee. Yeah. yeah, it's bad. Like without that, it's it's bad, like career threatening. If it's as bad as it looked, it's definitely for sure like this season, I'd say most of next, like out of play. But if that's like maybe just just one ligament somehow, maybe that's a, that's a good sign. But I felt super bad for that dude. And now I don't know how that team is going to score Um, because Deshaun Watson sort of looks bad still. Yeah. It's a uh, very, very confusing. It's almost like I saw something on Twitter today that was like, it's like Tiger in the first few months after he went to sex rehab. Like maybe Deshaun <laughs> just needs like his, his thing, you know, and he's not getting it anymore and he's lost his powers. Lost the competitive drive. Yeah, I can see that. Just got to let him go. <laughs> Plus all that money too. I mean, just, I saw something online today too. That was like, uh, comparing Baker Mayfield to him. And it's like the price difference of the contracts yeah, that like they got is just like staggering. 200 plus million, right? Off yeah. or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Baker's playing way better. And yeah, Watson looks, looks mad lost, but, um, Despite the the mediocre weeks for both of us, you you better than me. Um, back on the horse again, and I have I have my plays ready to go. Um, I mentioned this game. This will be my first one. Uh, will be the Dolphins minus six and a half uh, versus the Broncos at home. Um, that's my first pick. That that su- like screams to me sort of suckers bet. Um, but I I just somehow. I, my, the the theory that I'm going on is that the Broncos can't score enough to keep up with Miami, um, but it does feel like one of those games that's super desperate for for the Broncos. But I don't know. They're traveling. It's warm. Russes look like shit. The Dolphins are clicking. Um, I sort of I sort of like that. So I'm I'm going with the favorite, even though it pains me to root for for the Dolphins, who I hate. Yeah. Um... I agree with you there. I actually have that game as well. Uh, Same side, Dolphins minus six and a half. Um, They look pretty good to me this year, again, as much as it pains me to say that. And, um, yeah, the Broncos just don't. So I think anything less than a touchdown is is a little too small. Um, Wait, I got to talk about – we didn't get to the – we didn't get to the Pats at all, and we just brought up the Dolphins. And I got to say – I got to just say – just just quick, because I'm going to go like it'll just end up being like a one big complainy rant about the Pats. I think I don't think the Bron- or the Dolphins are for real. That's my overall take is that the the Patriots had good reason to win that game. Um, the fact that that last call um, 
where our guard took the ball and it got ruled short of the line after being ruled over the line yep. is so outrageous to me. I've never seen a scenario where dudes are falling on a pile and the ball's hidden where they've overturned that call ever in my life. Now, I don't even know if the Patriots go down and score. I'm starting to get just the slightest hints of like there's been a lot of opportunities for this this offense to win a game late and they just haven't done it like over and over and over. So at some point you sort of have to look and be like maybe this 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 team, like this skill group doesn't have it. Um, I'm not going to go there yet because uh, they haven't really gotten the opportunity to do that for for stupid reasons. Um, I've never seen that call overturned. I can't believe that's overturned. I think if the Pats go down, if that if that if that call is not overturned, the Pats go down and score. And then from there, I'm I'm very curious to where that that was going because I finally felt like we were playing way better than the Dolphins. It's just yeah, very frustrating. Very frustrating. Yeah, I agree with you on the, on the standpoint of the call. I don't. I just have never. Um... That kind of call with that kind of replay and that many bodies just like all around the ball um, just never, never gets overturned. I, I agree with you there. You just can't. There's nothing. There was nothing definitive enough to in order to do that. So um, let cool things happen. Also, like is should be a rule right. too. Like if you're if you're if we're talking about a couple <laughs> inches here, maybe let's let the play where some dude laddled it to an offensive lineman who caught it in the uh, middle of a spin move and went three extra yards. Let that go. And give the right. people what they want. Ugh. We can relate to that in volleyball too. Yes, There's a lot right. of times athletic plays. that happens. <laughs> yeah. Yes, athletic. It's an athletic play. Let it go. Speaking of, I hate to bring up, I don't want to discuss volleyball in this pod, but I have to bring up this one call from our match last night. So we're playing like I'm and if hey, you don't really I'm, know I'm back in the game, man. So it's all fair. Game. <laughs> oh, I know. It's all I know. fair. I was game. We could, we could talk some ball if that. you'd like. We could talk some ball. <laughs> So my I get uh my middle gets set and she like kind of the set was a little like on her left shoulder she's a little off balance so she tries to like reach out and tip the ball but she kind of it kind of like brushed off her hand so it just comes off like kind of sideways but goes over the net and it's like spinning a lot and the ref blows the whistling and goes like calls a double excuse me <laughs> and, I just, <laughs> and I was like I was like double you know from the sideline obviously I'm like I'm like double. I was like where's she played the ball with one hand where's the second contact and. And he just kind of like look. He like looked at me for a second, and then my captain looks over at me, and she's like, "Do you do you want me to ask?" And I was like, "I was like, yeah, go ask." <laughs> and she talks to him, and I see him like obviously, if you're listening, you can't see what I'm doing my hand, but he's like making like the touch motion and like showing how it's like goes off her hand like spinning, and I'm like, but I'm like that's not a double, like it just, it touched one part of her body, like. And this guy, I was talking to him like beforehand, like before the match. He's a really nice guy. He worked at Pfizer. Like he got, he got, uh, they gave him like a great severance package. He's retired. Obviously, like very smart, but like it just comes down to like nobody knows the rule. And like high school volleyball in Massachusetts, the refs, the the parents, the players, like nobody knows what's going on. It's just insane, insane. That's uh, anyway. that's wild. It, it sounds like <laughs> I'm just I'm picturing this, and it sounds like at some point he heard the argument, and in his head was probably like. Fuck, uh, yeah. I gotta, <laughs> I gotta talk my way out of it. That's uh, that that ain't it. That ain't it. Um, but yeah, no, the the Patriots, um, just very, very frustrating. Obviously, the the outcomes of their two games. I, I want to stay positive about their their the outlook of their team over the course of the season. I'm a little bit higher on the Dolphins than you are, as much as it pains me to say. I think they are kind of. Um, legit unfortunately so we'll see how that pans out over the course of this season but um i don't know 
I don't know. So, all right, let's get back to this week. Let's see um, if the Patriots talk is just going to make me sad. Um, okay, so I mentioned I had Dolphins minus six. Did you have six or six and a half, you said, against the Broncos? Six and a half. Six and a half. Six and a half. Okay, yeah, that's what I had as well. Okay, uh, my next pick is going to be the Seahawks minus six against the Panthers. I think they showed some some pretty bright spots um, last week. Um, I, I'm, not, I'm not a believer in the Panthers at all. And I think, again, same reason. If anything, just at home in Seattle, I believe. So anything under a touchdown for me is is too little. Um, I'm on that game as well um, for pretty much the same reasons. I don't think the Panthers can score enough to keep up with the Seahawks, especially in Seattle with that home field. Um, Bryce Young looks like in a game full of very large people looks so small. Um, I'm a believer in him long term, but man, like the frame is very, very wiry. Uh, I'm, I'm curious on whether he's going to be able to take the punishment that um, playing quarterback behind that shit team um, comes with. Um, all right. Uh, I don't want to make you sad, but some Patriots talk here. Uh, Pat's minus two and a half at the Jets. Um and I'm just going with I they they're going to win this. I'm confident they're going to win this game. Um, and if they do it, I just hope it's not by one or two points. So that's that's my rationale there. I think this team is good. I think they're too good to start off 0-3. Um, I do think both teams are going to have big, big, big issues moving the ball. Um, but I think Zach Wilson's way more irresponsible than Mac Jones in is will. Uh, so I hope that will result in a short field and get the Patriots the the few points that they need. Um, yeah, and that's that's as much with my heart as it is my brain, by the way, because the Jets probably have more talent on both sides of the ball. It's it's basically I this this needs to happen or else it's going to be a long ass football season. So I'm willing it into existence. Yeah. Okay. Good. I like that. Um, man, there's some big spreads out there this weekend. Just tough to tough to make a call on either side. I have some thoughts on one of the games though, but I'll save that for a little bit later. My next one's going to be, um, Washington plus six and a half. Um, I know the bills came out obviously and routed, um, Oakland last week, but, um, I just think I, I, first of all, I'm not, I don't think that the bills are as good as most, most people think they are. Um, I, I'm just not, not so much a believer in them this year, as much as I have been in, in previous years, previous years is obviously very tough. They're very talented. Josh Allen's great, but um, I, I just don't think um, they've lost some pieces. and I don't think they're gonna be as strong as they have been the previous year. And I like previous years, I should say. And um, I like what I've seen out of Sam Howell so far. Um, I think he, He's been he's had a couple strong performances in the first two weeks, and uh, I like Washington to cover at home. All right, I like the Bills to cover away at Washington is my okay. is my fourth play. <laughs> so we're on different sides of this, and I just don't think I think this is one of those games where um, the Bills' offense could allow this to get away from Washington uh, very quick. I don't think Washington can score with the Bills, and uh, they're the type of team that if they if they get up a touchdown 10 points. Um, they, they really play very well from ahead. Um, I like Sam Howell overall. I just think re- like sort of regression to the mean on Washington. They've played the Broncos who we know stink and uh, they've played the Cardinals who we know stink, I think. So that that's my rationale there. 
All right, my next one. This is <laughs> this is going to be a tough call, but uh, I'm going to go with the Cardinals plus twelve and a half uh, against the Cowboys at home. Um, I'm very high on. The, I, I think the Cowboys. Um, obviously, I mean anybody who's watched the Cowboys play at all this season knows how strong that defense is. Knows how good they are overall. Um, I just think uh, in the NFL, twelve and a half is a lot of points, and um, you know, if if anything, I, the Cowboys, of course, could blow them out by by thirty, and I look like an idiot. But um, you know, the NFL is a tricky sort of thing. If if the Cardinals happen to go up by a touchdown early, you know, that's pretty much it's gonna be tough to come back until nine, 19 and a half. You know what yeah. I mean? So um, I'll just play the odds on that and just just hope that uh, you know the Cardinals, Josh Dobbs, get a little magic uh, at home. So we'll see. Just, just don't get murdered, I guess, is the, the strategy. <laughs> yeah. There. yeah, that could be like a 17 point. The Cardinals score a touchdown late to get it within 10, like cover right there. Right. Backdoor or, cover, yeah. Or like you said, you'll know real quick. Like if on the first <laughs> Cardinals drive, like there are four Cowboys in the backfields, like right away, like, you know, <laughs> Which that's probably there will be, that. there will yeah. be, but like, what, but like, how do we deal with like, does he throw a pick six? Right. Or does he like, <laughs> right. You just don't want to see him like just immediately be swallowed up for the first whole series. Like, I think you'll get a pretty good feel of whether you're going to cover that game or it's going to be out of play like super early. So at least there's yep. that. All right. I've got, I've got a, my final play. Um, I have the play and then I have a contingency play because it is contingent on a certain injury here. Um, I like the Colts getting eight at Baltimore only if Anthony Richardson plays this game. Um, as of we're recording this podcast, he's in the concussion protocol. If Minshew plays, I want no part of this. Um, but if Richardson plays, I do think uh, big spread and I do think the Colts can control the ball a little bit. Like Richardson's been real competent. Super good as a runner, uh, was going absolutely nuts last game before his uh, concussion, had two touchdowns uh, in two quarters, I think, if he even got to the second quarter. Um, but yeah, so I, I like it with Richardson, but if he does not play, my my contingent play is the Lions uh, giving three and a half at home versus the Falcons. And I think at Ford Field, um, with that offense, I expect a high-scoring game and I don't think the Falcons are built to play in a high-scoring game. But Detroit always scores points at home, um, so I like them to to outscore the Falcons, even though I'm not really sure the Falcons will have issues moving the ball on Detroit. But I, I just don't think they can score with them through the air. I like that. Um, so my final game is going to be the Monday night late game. Um, I'm going to take the Rams plus two and a half against Cincinnati. I've uh, been like sort of pleasantly surprised by what I've sort of seen out of the Rams just in the early uh, couple weeks here. And yeah, just fading Cincinnati again. I, I just, um, it doesn't look good there. I don't know what's really going on. Obviously a lot of, a lot of high profile guys and, and the offense um, just not sort of clicking as, as most people expect, but um, yeah, I, I just, I, I think the Rams, have looked pretty good sort of early on here. So I'm just going to ride with that. I like that. That's a really interesting game. I find it hard to yeah. believe that the Bengals are, are bad enough to be 0-3, but like the Rams are actually pretty good and they finally have taken care of uh, the Cam Akers situation, which is super weird that he's like with that. the team, yeah, like today. star running back, not star running back bench now traded to the Vikings. Um, I have in the newsletter that'll come out tomorrow, 
Um, I have 10 thoughts from Sunday Ticket. That's one of the thoughts is how weird the Cam Akers handling has been throughout like his last two and a half years. Um, but they look great. Like maybe it's just like when Matthew Stafford's playing, like the team is just good. And that's that's what it is because without their best receiver, without who we thought was going to be their best running back, like they're clicking. Um, they hung with San Francisco uh, last week. I know Sean McVay had the great like, uh, backdoor cover, choosing to take a field goal with zero seconds left to to cover the, I think it was yeah, eight well, and a half, which a is very upset with very fishy. I depend. I guess it depends on what side you're on. But right, um, right into into the fourth quarter, that was like a tie game, like one score tie game, one score. Like they were hitting with San Francisco, and then until like just the overall talent in, in San Francisco is ridiculous. And I think that eventually just won out, but they were playing them super duper tough. So I do like this Rams team. Intriguing game. It's unfortunate that the Eagles and Bucks, which is equally as intriguing to me, will be, you know, on throughout it. Yeah. So, okay, so that's good. That's it for our picks, right? Is that five yep. and five? That's that's my five. That's your five. I got them locked okay. up. So I did have one other thing I wanted to bring up. I did get a text right before uh, we started recording, so I didn't really get the chance to discuss this. But one of my friends texted me asking for. Um, fantasy football trade advice so oh, I, just I love to it put it on the airwaves see what see well, what the consensus is nobody so, likes fantasy football trades more than me so <laughs> this is this is great so he has my friend has McCaffrey and Terry McLaurin that's the players that were uh asked for and the other person is wants to give up Mark Andrews uh Nakua and Swift and Swift so I kind of went in the 30 seconds that I had to think about this. I went back and forth a little bit. So I have Terry McLaurin on at least one of my two teams, maybe both. I can't remember. Um, he's been a little bit disappointing just in the first couple weeks. Obviously, we know what McCaffrey does. Um, but I'm pretty high. Andrew's obviously just back last week for the first time off the injury and had a pretty productive week. Nakua, we've seen, obviously, the huge – I think he's had 15-plus targets in both of his first two weeks. Obviously, with Cooper Cup looking to come back around like week five, six, sometime around there, I think that kind of limits that a little bit. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I was interested to hear your thoughts on that. Which which side would you come on in that trade? I don't know. I think if I have CMC and McLaurin, I think I think he's getting I think he would be getting more by accepting the trade. Right now, I'm just very nervous about the long term production of a cup of those two, the of Nakua and and Swift, basically. So, um, I think I would probably decline right now, but I I don't know. It's very close for me. Yeah, I think I'm think I'm in the same category as you. Um, Andrews, like one of the three like tight ends that actually matter. So super good piece there. Um, I'm sort of a long term believer in Puka. Um, yeah. I think even when, when Cooper cup comes back, like this dude is getting open. So I do think that like Stafford is good enough to just get dudes who are open the ball. It's not like he's just getting force fed, like, I don't know, contested catch after contested catch and not coming down. Like he's gotten 30, I think 35 targets in two games. Um, but you know, has 10 plus catches in both games too. So he's not like not empty targets here. Um, yeah, I think he's sort of legit even though, you know, he's not going to be whatever he is with well, the pace he's on now is not going to sustain. I don't think, but right. I still, he's like, could actually be like a wide receiver one the rest of the way. 
but I think McCaffrey is like a cheat code. So I, I would very much hesitate to give that up and then replace it with like, I don't think Swift is ever going to be like the bell cow like he was on Thursday night football if they got everybody healthy, but he's still pretty valuable, I guess, in a split with like Gainwell. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I like the CMC side because of him pretty much. And McLaurin's like an established, you know, wide receiver one, two, right. two, but. Yeah, McCaffrey is like the the number one player. He play, played a hundred percent of the snaps last week too in that offense. Like, yeah, if he stays healthy, he's the he's the running back one. I think by a lot. So, yeah, the, his like product, just how many obviously meant hundred like the snaps that he gets and just how many times the touches. He touches the ball. Yeah, like it, it's unreal. Yeah, unreal. But touches yeah, are crazy. Obviously. The volume, the volume is just ridiculous. That offense is super duper good too. So they're gonna produce like every single game. They have to win to get the buy now, like the whole way. It looks like the Cowboys will be there. So like looking forward later in the season, like it's just all about health. I really do think like the ceiling for McCaffrey is like historic running back one and barring injury, like the floor is probably like the third best running back in the, in the, in right. fantasy football. So, so that's a pretty safe uh, yes. side to bank on. Yeah. Yeah. Highest floor, high, highest ceiling is a pretty good, pretty good combo. Assuming he doesn't get hurt. So, yeah, I like that side, but it's close. It's close. And as I say, yeah. like at that point, if it is close, like maybe you can replace DeAndre Swift. If you're listening, whoever this is, if you're listening, maybe you can replace DeAndre Swift with like this dude's next best running back or next, next best running back. Like, you know, um, and then that puts it over the top for you. If he really little, wants a uh, little counter, little counter action. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You're, you're <laughs> in the position of power now. So go ahead and try to ask for something that you would actually accept. It's it's the way the way that is fantasy football is played the best. So those are my thoughts. All right, love it. All right, dude, love it. This was uh this was another great episode. I know it's uh, mostly NFL, but I can guarantee next week's episode will be out. It'll be the last episode before the Ryder Cup, so we'll be diving way into that. I would imagine with some pairing ideas, with some predictions, the final bets, like the full slate of bets that we'll play. Um, and that'll be super fun to sort of lead up to to one of my favorite things in the world. So looking very forward to that. But um, good stuff tonight. Everybody uh, check your email box for the newsletter, survivinggolf.substack.com. Spread the word. Uh, there is a big rumor that we are getting our first guest uh, guest piece on the Substack website um, from a very unlikely source. So keep an eye out for that as well. Uh, we got, We got some exciting stuff in the next couple of weeks. All right. Yeah. Looking forward to that for sure. Um, yeah. The survivor pool is, uh, is thinning quickly. I think we're down to 12 entries now, something like that. So um, we'll see how long that's able to go for, but uh, yeah. Thank you to everybody for your support with that stuff. Thank you for anyone that offers to contribute, obviously to the newsletter and, and thank you guys for listening to the pod as always. Yeah. I got to sneak this in. I, I, on that thought, I, I saw that somebody got knocked out with the Broncos, which I know, I know who that is and I'm sorry. Cause that was super painful, but uh, what team is no pick? What what team is that? And how do they lose? Who who picks no pick during a week and eliminates all their remaining entries by picking that uh, stupid team? No pick. Wait, wait, wait. Who? Hold on. Wait. Let me look. At I think one member did not play this week and therefore yeah. received a no pick. Pick. Yeah, you know and, who, you don't know who. Oh, it was. I sh- I sure do, but I'm saying, oh, okay. what is the strategy behind that? I don't oh. get it. <laughs> Just feels like a very it, low percentage play. Well, yeah, oh yeah, it's definitely low percentage. Pretty about as low as you can go. 
But I think if we learned anything from the golf pool, we're not that surprised. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so if if you listen to this, you know who you are and, you know, shame <laughs> on you. Shame on you. All right, dude. Good stuff. We'll be back at it next week. All right. Peace.